the Koi Gig Pod. We were too quick to drop off 3v1. That's been a problem that we actually stopped against Scotland because Neve Fahey stepped in to stop Caroline Weir. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Zebo going on his own. He gets the try. The Red 78. We're both monster people. Jeffrey gets over the line. Try from Monster. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better. Hello, I'm Alan Quinlan and welcome along to the episode 52 of the Red 78 here on the Rugby Channel. And with me as always is Neve Briggs. How are you, Neve? How was Christmas? Uh, well, I spoke, obviously we were talking last week, but how was New Year for you? Yeah, it was good. I was working and Spurs lost. Liverpool lost. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> a tough start new, uh, start the New Year to us, for us. So, um yeah, if I got Monster Wind to give us a, a you know a little bit of a lift, but um, yeah, no, quite, it was quite an unexpected win, uh, in a sense, from Monster. Um, bit deflated last week, losing to Leinster when when you know that's not a big surprise, but certainly it was a game Monster could have won, and they would have been frustrated with uh, missing the internationals, um, a bit of quality experience, and and. Power tech gone out of the side. We didn't certainly yeah. didn't expect them to go and win. We were hopeful more than anything, but that certainly um, cheered us up and, and gave us a good start to the new year. Yeah, absolutely. I think on paper you would have said that Ulster um, probably had the stronger squad. They had kept back a couple of their internationals previous week, and um, you know I definitely more in hope they're strong up there as well but they're going through a very rough patch and we spoke about it last week as well where the, where um, if you could be in you know in it there thereabouts towards the end of the game you know they're finding it very difficult to close out leads and, and, and win these games so Munster um, just kept going kept going kept going and look I think in those type of games you're just looking for impetus off the bench they got it and um, yeah look brilliant I think all you had to do is look at the coach's reaction afterwards I think you know, that was just reward for a lot of hard work and, and maybe falling on the wrong side of things, you know, the previous couple, couple of weeks and especially in that Leinster game. So we were actually training in the HPC before they left um, uh, and we bumped into Prendy and Dennis Amy and we were chatting and there was a really good buzz about the group. Like you could see it, you know, within and around the lads walking around. So yeah, it's just huge for our confidence to be able to go up there, a difficult place to go and win. So brilliant, brilliant for them. It's a little bit surprising and that's probably and Dan McFarland has come out and been very critical of Ulster. We'll get into the match a little bit more but certainly it was a great start to the year for Munster and um, fixtures wise um, they're having the worst run. They've gone through a very uh, busy, busy period and obviously they've got Northampton, the Lions Northampton to lose to come uh, in the next little couple of weeks. Um, as ever we want you to be involved. You can tweet us as uh, Rugby Channel 15 or else to our personal Twitter accounts. Leave a comment on YouTube or email us email us at the rugby channel at borrowmedia.ie. Um I put a tweet out as I do after every match and the response is a positive one. It was pretty positive last week. Um Monster fans are happy. They're talking about seeing progress and being enthused by by the results and, and what they saw on Sunday. Could have been very different if Munster lost that game. Um, would we be criticising and saying, you know, the first half wasn't good, but in the end, I think, obviously, to win a game like that, 
the score right at the death. Um, the clock is in the red. was very pleasing and the Munster fans loved it. Yeah, huge. Great balls. I think, as you say, you know, it makes that journey back down the road easier. Um, but uh, there were definitely moments in that first half I was... Um, and I'd imagine coach and ticker were probably less, less pleased. I thought they went over and back a lot. There was very little penetration through the middle. Um, thought they ran out of ideas, making Jack Crowley kick on Ulster's terms as opposed to his own. And the penalty counts, irrelevant of whether we agree with them or not, I still think it's really high all the time. And silly, silly, we're allowing teams silly, you know, really easy access into scoring zones and um, better teams. Um, maybe we wouldn't have been touching distance in the first half, you know, half time. So, yeah, for sure. I definitely think they'll be frust- frustrating when they take the emotion out of that and, you know, um, and and how good it was to win like that and win away up there. Um, I think they'll definitely be frustrated with parts of that game. Let's hear what the Munster fans are saying. So there's lots of uh, responses to the tweet yesterday. Yeah, so we just had actually a couple of ones on YouTube um, like our, our, our emailed in. So John and Cork thought it was a fantastic way to win from home. I have to say, though, there are a couple of things that he's finding a bit frustrating. While we're all delighted to see Munster playing a better brand of rugby, I think everyone can see they still lack clinical edge in the opposition 22. With that in mind, why do they insist on going to the corner and turning down kickable penalties? There's nothing to say you can't be an attacking team with the flair, but still take your three points when they're on offer. Likewise, the discipline is without doubt costing Munster games. Again, can they approach games where, with a more attacking mindset, but tidy up around the rock? We don't have to trade doing the basics well with playing a more attacking side style. I feel like these are easily fixed and should be a big focus for management. Well, I agree with John about the uh, kicking the penalties. I think it's become a trend um, with with a lot of the provinces now. Um, we're seeing it more in the modern game where there's points on offer and teams kick to the corner or else they tap and go. Um, it's fine if you get the score out of it, then it's you're proved that the decision is correct. Um, I felt before halftime, a couple of the penalties that were there, Munster should have just taken it three points. When the opposition go down to 14 men, you're thinking, scrum, keep it going, you'll get the try. But um, it was a couple of couple of times again I thought they should have kicked penalties to get some scores on the board they didn't um, regards to what John is saying there about the attack um, I think the attack is improving all the time I think Munster had you know 28 defenders beaten in the game which would indicate that there's a bit of evasion there's a bit of um, I suppose deception to, the, to, to their attack Um Obviously, they can be more clinical, and we've said that a lot in the last couple of weeks, but I think what we're seeing is pleasing a lot of people. They need to be more clinical. Um, the discipline that John mentions about, that's something that we've talked about all season. So there's a couple of things there. We'll talk about it in the positives and negatives ourselves in a minute, but he makes some very good points. Uh, fire on, you probably have loads yeah. more. I loads of tweets. We're actually going to go back to the other email at the end, if that's okay, because it's a, it's a good debate. Um, so within the tweets, uh, Patrick Stevens, Crowley's deft hands, timing and vision, far more impactful in the centre to unlock the Ulster defence. Healy at 10 and Crowley at centre combined excellently. Top teams all demonstrating the benefits of two playmakers. Don Ryan, they gifted us. Had they left Cooney on the pitch, I suspect he would have converted their try. That said, we never gave up the defence. The difference winning and losing by one point is immense. Reasons for optimistic we got a break. Now kick on. The Healy-Crowley axis seems to work. 
Dennis Donovan, Crowley's a real talent and needs game time. Back's performing well and we seem to have decent depth there. Front row is worrying. Salanoa has to step up, step up now with John Ryan heading south. Big loss on top of Cronin going last year. Young lads are under pressure to step up. Dahi Crowley, talk here. McDonald had another good game, very underrated. Mike, Mike Haley is a joy to watch this year. Need to go after a five-point home win now. Yeah, Brian Lawler, unreal game. I thought Sekatoa and Patterson did very well in the first half. The celebration in the coach's box after the win said it all. It seems we have a team and a coaching group that are united in living the Munster rugby culture, which is something that we've spoken about a lot, to be fair, um, in relation to you know trying to get that back. Um, John Tui, great results, second half much better. Healy, very good, much flatter. And away win over Benetton, now essential. We need 23 of 25 points available before heading to South Africa. We can't require a win down there. He's like a man after your own heart, Quinny. Um Michael J. Manny, get Ben Healy into the Ireland Six Nations squad and start him at 10 in the Italy match. Johnny Sexton injury situation getting serious so close to we were a cup in September. Need to establish backup 10s urgently. It's mad, isn't it, how fickle sport is. Um, Kevin Donnelly, I'll, we'll stop after this one. Great result, better team throughout, but gave away silly penalties and lacked a little killer edge at the end of the first half. Beckato was the best we've seen him, but I did feel the Healy Crowley 10 12 look good. Murray was very good too, always picks the right option. Well, talk to me about uh, your synopsis or your review of Fekatoa. Much better, I think, uh, than we've seen him at the start of the season. I think he was um, uh, he's very powerful, strong, uh, got over the game line a lot. So. I was a little surprised to see him coming off and and seeing seeing them make that change. But um, I think sometimes he has the blinkers on a little bit uh, when he could pass uh, and look for someone outside him. But I think it was a very good performance for him. He hasn't played in a number of weeks, that, so that's why I was wondering. Maybe that they, played if, into it a little bit. Yeah, as well. to take him off here in such short turnaround to the Lions game. You know what I mean? Does that make... Are you trying to save us a little bit so they can get more out of my training? To get more out of them next weekend, hopefully. Um, but I thought he did well, to be fair. Yeah, I think he's important. There's a, there's a lack of depth there. You know, people are talking a little about in the last few weeks about the you know, the backup second rows that are injured. Um, Chris Farrell is an immense loss to this team. Um, mm. He has been. And obviously... We won't get into the matters and the, the discussions around that, but it's it's he he is a big loss to this team. Um, he's incredibly powerful. He's a great offloader. I think um, Anton Frisch has given you something different now at thirteen. Um, but there's a lack of depth there. You know, Rory Scannell has played well in recent times as well. But you know, you need four good centres. Um, the same way as you need more depth. So there's no doubt that Munster are down a little bit in the depth chart. To have Fekitoa play in Belfast, actually front up and not um, be standoffish, which I've seen him in, in, in a couple of games. I think back to the Dragons game, standing back a little bit, a little sport here and there. I think he was he showed a little bit of anger and aggression on, uh, on Sunday, which is needed against a very powerful man in Stuart McCluskey. So mm. positive signs. Um, and obviously for him to implement into that game plan, it isn't all about... This this new attack from Munster is about trying to get a bit of expansion and and variation in their attack, 
getting their timing right. It isn't about running out over people because they haven't the players to do that. Um, so he's got to buy into that. But I thought it was really positive what we saw from him the other day. Yeah, really, I, like, I like the energy. Uh, David Parks, really poor first half. Caught again, picking and driving against 14 men with no vision. But a way better performance in the second half and the lads deserved huge credit for credit for digging out the win. Delight for Healy and Crowley. Frisch was my man in the match. He was excellent again. Tom O'Mahony, uh, Healy must be kept. He can do things no other Irish out half can do. That lofted pass to the wing was sublime and then turns himself turns around a nine-point deficit to win the thing himself. He didn't have to see his cannon of a boot. Uh, cut Owl Maliki and free up a few quid. But Tom, uh, Tom is definitely... Tom is a Tipperary, a tipperary man like myself. Definitely a Tipperary man. I need to have a look uh, there. So he's, um, he's a bit cracked as well. Tommy's a great character. But um, um, the, the, the debate around Ben Healy, and maybe it'll link up to, to one of the emails that come, came in. Um, yeah, look, he, he came on. Munster chasing the game. And we have to get put this in context here. I think Ulster did stand off a little bit. Crowley comes up with a brilliant break. Um, that was poor defence from Ulster. Ian Henderson, actually one of the players yeah. who missed a tackle on Jack Crowley when he had to cut back in field. Brilliant from him. But Ben Healy, what he did the other night, proves that the, the quality he has. There is no doubt that Ben Healy has quality. He has ability to do this. I love his composure. I love that he's laid back and he's relaxed. Graham Rountree spoke about it after the game, that nothing phases him. It's the physical side of the game that Ben Healy needs to get better at. Defending, actually carrying himself. He's six foot two or three and he's, you know, he's 15 and a half, 16 stone or he's a big man. But you, you would imagine a big fly half like that. Um, kind of reminds me of Pollard a little bit with that run. I was just about to say, uh, yeah, the way uh, he Andre moves. Pollard. Yeah. But you tackle Andre Pollard, you know all about it. He uses that physicality. I think Ben Healy needs to kind of and maybe it's a psychological thing because I think we saw a reaction. Um, he had a poor missed tackle in in the Leinster match um, back in October um, in Dublin. And I think he South Africa then, you know, he was much better down in Cork in South Africa. So if you miss a couple of tackles in a game or you're a little bit soft in the tackle, your reaction when you work with coaches and they show it to you, you, you know invariably you will come out and be a bit more determined um, to, to to put that right. He did that in Cork. I think we haven't seen him then for December because of Jack Crowley and Carberry being there. Um, so it's not a criticism. It's more of an observation for Ben Healy. You know, be more yeah. physical. Uh, be a bit narkier. Uh, sometimes that's not in your temperament. Um, you know, it's not... You know, when I played, I was aggressive and it was the way I only way I could play. Ben Healy is very calm and relaxed and he's very disciplined. You'd love what? to see a bit more emotion out of him and a bit more. What, what do you make of the, the rumours of Scotland? So a lot of the tweets, sorry, I just got to group the tweets for you there. So a lot of tweets talking about how well, the, you know, how great it was to see him get, you know, do really well and to go and win the match for Munster. And then, you know, about him and Crowley playing together. And then the bit and one of the biggest the rest of the teams were really in relation to um Healy going to to Scotland or the, the rumour of him going to Scotland and you know he's eligible to play for Scotland and um I think Munster fans are a bit worried. Yeah, they they prob- they should be and I think Irish fans um 
it should be an issue for them as well because you know you look at where Johnny Sexton is at and all the players behind and the constant effort made to try and get more backup for for the fly half position. Johnny Sexton potentially is out for a number of weeks now. We don't know yet. He got a bang against Connacht into the cheekbone. Um, if there's a fracture there, he's going to miss probably the start of the Six Nations. Um, but the depth chart around out halves in this country has been a problem for for a long number of years. You don't want to lose a potential Irish international here um, to Scotland when he's born and raised in Tipperary and he's he's from Munster and he's from Ireland. You can understand in a sense what Gregor Townsend is trying to do and he's trying to pick up, you know, a quality player and he sees that potential he's probably trying to convince Ben Healy that he can improve him as a fly half um, given his coaching expertise but he's, he's um, having played there for so long had great success as a fly half as well um, you can understand that his head would be turned a little bit because he's not first choice he's not getting the, the regular starts with Munster that would propelling towards um, the Irish setup and see what's just happened with Jack Crowley. You know, Jack Crowley started against Australia. Ben Healy's quite frustrated, I'm sure. But what happened on Sunday, hopefully will, um, it changes the perception a little bit again. And one bad week can be turned around with one good week, you know, good performance. Yeah. So who knows? We, we're not privy to what he's thinking, but um, it, it would be a shame I think one or two yeah. of the tweeters that you mentioned there um, were suggesting um, they may be new Connacht and Leinster fans that if we if Munster were to lose him, um, it'd be better for Irish rugby if it was to one of the other provinces. Yeah, hundred percent. And on the back of that, I'm just going to read out this email that came in from uh, Ken Shedwell, and uh, he's an Irish chap living in New York and listens to us every week. He listens to us on the way home from work every week. It's been playing on my mind for weeks now about the prospect of the four Irish provinces having some sort of loan lease system for players. Basically, Leinster have this conveyor belt of talent and only so many places. Would it be beneficial to spread some of these players out among the other three provinces, specifically when it comes to Andy Farrell and the national team? For example, there are talks of Ben Healy leaving, leaving he can't get game time with Munster, or consistent game time with Munster, but he seems like a talent. What if it were a possibility for the RFU to step in and send him to Connacht? Keller and Sheehan, two world-class hookers competing for a space at Leinster. It seems so difficult for Leinster to try and manage that. Do you play one lad one weekend, one lad the next, or would you send one of them to Munster or Ulster? Even some of Leinster's young up-and-coming forwards battling for places with the likes of Doris and Van der Fleer. Why not send them out to Connacht for a season to get them some game time and exposure? Obviously, there's contracts, etc. that would get in the way, but it seems now that there's only so many places for all these young players coming through to get de- de- decent game time. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, but we've um, had this conversation before off air about this. Yeah, for 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 Ken, I think there, and it's uh, it's great that that he's listening to the podcast in New York, and we I know there's there's other people in America and UK that listen. It's great to have them. Um, uh, but he makes a good point. Yeah, but I think that system unofficially happens anyway, and I think Leinster are the ones that that get kind of hit the most because of the depth they have. There's a lot of ex-Leinster players in Ulster, Connacht and Munster 
And we've seen that in the last number of years. I think um, younger players in Leinster who are not getting opportunities, they, they, they move to the other provinces. So it does happen a bit. Um, I think Leinster are coming to a point now where there's a number of players that are potentially, they've got to make decisions for themselves in a sense that there's so much depth. Uh, Ken makes the point in the back row. It's not for us to talk about the, about uh, what Leinster should or shouldn't do on a Munster podcast. But from an Irish point of view, there's a number of players, um, back rowers in particular, that, you know, of course, Andy Farrell would love to see them playing if they were getting starts in other provinces. In the, big the only thing games, is, though, in, in the big games, yeah, we're talking about you know the environments, and this is no disrespect to any of the provinces outside of Leinster, but like there's they're 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 coming into that environment from an academy point of view or whatever it is because they've had a, a very good system when they were in school, but also now they got into an environment where they're playing with world class players and they're training day in day out world class players and they're being coached by a very very good coaching ticket and therefore they're getting better if you take them out of that environment and you put them into another province that doesn't have world class players or doesn't have the same coaching ticket or the same environment are we not ex- you know expecting or setting them up for probably not failure it, but it's for a roll not of getting, the, it's a roll of the dice yeah, it's really. a roll, it's dice. A roll yeah, of the it's dice tough, it is um, tough Jordy Mur- Murphy left Leinster starting on the Irish team very much in Joe Schmidt's plans. I know he had a, that really bad Achilles injury after starting yeah. over in Chicago for Ireland against the All Blacks. And it hasn't worked like Jordy would have wanted in Belfast. So it can happen. Look at Max Deegan. You know, he's behind Caelan Doris and Jack Conan in the number eight pecking order. I know yeah. they can both play at six as well. Scott Penny's another one. Will Connors is coming back. Josh van der Fleer. So they have so much depth. Again, it's not our business to talk about it, but from a point of view of Ben Healy moving somewhere else, and I think that's the point Ken is making. Um, yeah, if they have, you know, you've Joey Carberry, Jack Crowley, and Ben Healy. But if the three of them are potentially going to be but pushing if two for are an going Irish away to squad, Ireland for Six Nations. So if Jack, I'd imagine Jack Crowley and Joey Carberry will be going away for Six Nations. There is a window there for Ben Healy in terms of playing week in, week out. Now, yeah, but there's not many Benhealy... games during the Six Nations anymore. That's the problem. You know, you have yeah. you have Ospreys and Scarlets. Really, just there's kind of two games sandwiched, sandwiched in between there. So it's not like before you're going to get a load of games. Of course, um, to have that depth. And I think what might sway it for Ben Healy, in a sense, if he did stay and sign a new contract, providing Munster want to give him a new contract is the fact that Jack Crowley can play in the centre full-back as well. So there might be a bit of room for manoeuvring around there. So it just depends what Ben Healy's, what Munster wants and what Ben Healy wants. And ultimately, I think um, if he was to leave Munster, I would much prefer for him to go to Connacht or Ulster and be playing and in the system here in Ireland because I think he has the potential to play for Ireland. Um yeah. He's obviously still um, quite young. Um, he's played uh, a good few times for Munster, but I think he has great ability and it'd be a shame to lose him. Let's get on to the the, the match, the positives and negatives piece. Um, so I just want to say, I know the stats, to go away from home and have 65% possession is very impressive. And I don't also coach Dan McFarlane was really, really critical of his team after the match publicly. So Munster win the game 15-14. Ben Healy try. 
right at the death. Um, brilliant scenes, silence in the Kingspan Stadium. Um, and it's so, some people are saying, well, Munster were kind of lucky in a sense, but I thought that the way they played throughout the game gave them this opportunity. I think if they analyse the first half, they'd be really frustrated. And one of the negatives, again, is some of the silly penalties that they're giving away. Some of those can be debated, and I've spoken about the referee for the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm not going to go there this week because I don't think it's worked. It, it, there's a need to go. I thought Andy Brace did a really good job. But there's still 50-50s that Munster have to learn that it's not worth going there. Um and painting that picture and giving away opportunities for John Cooney to kick penalties. They end up being nine, nine points to nil down. I think the next score decides that game. Obviously, Munster didn't get that till after half time when Paddy Patterson scored a try. But if Ulster kick on and go 12 points up or score a try, I think it's game over. Big psychological difference. So they made it very difficult for themselves in the first half. So I thought one of the negatives oh, yeah. discipline. They lost three lineouts early on. Um, and maybe then uh, that ability to score when they had that pressure before half time. Yeah, for me, they're kind of three negatives. That's that's my big negative is when they're in that opposition scoring zone. Um, it's it's it, for me, it looks like they're it's it's mad or it's frantic. And um, so, as a coach, Neve, I'll ask you: you're, you're coaching mm. teams at a high level now, so to try and we've spoken about the discipline a lot, okay? So, why isn't that better? And that clinical edge when they get in close to the line there. Well, you could argue that they got they scored at the end and they were very patient. But just before halftime, how do you fix the discipline? How do you get better at scoring in those crucial moments before halftime? Yeah, look, I think that discipline is definitely, um, uh, it's going to be a work in progress simply because they're putting themselves under pressure all the time in terms of how they're trying to play. So whether that's defensively, they're more squeezed and compressed and it's bad line speed. And then also from an attack point of view, it's now about trying to move the ball and therefore there'll be players that are isolated and they're trying to come in and um, retain the ball and the breakdown becomes a bit of a mess. At but if you're, if you're a coach, Neil, are you actually getting angry now having the video session saying this is a stupid penalty this is a stupid penalty because we remember Joe Schmidt had uh, had a, a system going where even penalties that weren't given against Ireland when he was there he showed them and said that could easily have been and Ireland's discipline was incredible so does it need to, some sort of a system like that where they, they, they the players are shown this and they just need to communicate better to say leave it leave it leave it because there's a few the other night that you were saying, you know, um, and it's very difficult because I was a player out on the field who, if there, I thought there was any chance of even a 60-40 against me, I was still going for that 40%, even 30% there's at times. And sometimes you get rewarded, but it's something that's just making it a little bit more difficult for themselves as a team, isn't it? I, I Yeah, I just think at the moment they're they're trying so hard to play this new way, get used to the system, it's at a way higher intensity that they're, they're used to. It's very difficult when you're in that kind of intensity and doing that, you know, making those decisions while fatigued to be able to make the right ones or make look like they have the right pictures. It, it's, it, that's the 
mark of progress from a discipline point of view. It's just something the, that they've got to keep hammering away at, basically, yeah. then. The, tw- the 22 issue, I think you, you now got to start putting something very concrete in place in terms of if, if we get to hear this is exactly what's going to happen because there it's 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 almost like they're trying to turn a race around the corner it's trying to beat the opposition the fold and they're doing it on their own so if the fold it gets there before them or if they get run into a bigger body then they're just getting pushed back and pushed back because it's like two tack two v one in terms of the tackle and maybe there's a little the, bit of a power deficit there um, that would be a bit say, harsh and, and the biggest thing is for me is that when they get in there so out the pitch they're not as bad but when they get in there there's such a lack of evasion around the foot contact area so they just take the ball and they run into bodies they just take the ball into run, or as opposed to taking the ball and run into outside or inside of shoulders so if you ever watch that they, when they come around the corner as they go to square up they're just running flat straight into bodies there's very little footwork and if you look at Leinster, I always think they're so potent in the opposition 22. The likes of Van der Fleer and Scott Penny and these guys, they actually run to gaps. So their body height's really low, but they run to gaps. I just think Munster need to be better at that. Definitely. Okay. Um, the other thing is the line-out. I, I give my tuppence worth on that. I think it's... it's it, obviously, there's no Tyburn and Peter O'Mahony there, but there's a line that's been lost this year. It's a timing thing. Again, it's something to keep working on. Um, I think the speed of movement on the ground needs to speed up a little bit at times. It's not about running into a line out and, and, but you know, you lose three line outs early on in the game. Again, you're making it difficult for yourself. The positives for me, um, and I think it was something that's kind of got lost a little, a little bit on people is the fitness of this team has improved dramatically yeah. and their speed of, of what they're trying to do, um, their speed around the field in cleanouts, in support, in you know, speed of movement basically is improved. Their resilience—that's a big positive. So they're showing a real fight and desire here, um, a togetherness. Um, you mentioned at the start the coaches—that was lovely to see as well. It shows that, and you know what, they've had a tough start to the season and a fair bit of criticism, but I think the last six, seven weeks have been really positive for this group. Um, the attack, even though there's a lot of tweeters saying that they need to be more clinical, and, and I, of course, we agree with that, but I still think it's a positive. They're making, you know, they're making line breaks. Um, yeah, I agree. I just think at times, especially in that first half, they became very flat and lateral and couldn't yeah. adjust themselves enough to be able to get the ball to the space. Like, they had worked incredibly hard over three, four, five phases this, to condense Ulster in. But then they become very flat and lateral. And all you're looking for is somebody to come on hard onto that ball to strike it really, like strike it square. And it's the next phase or the phase after that that you get that edge then. It's just, um, yeah, but you're right. To be able to fix that over the second half was very good. Yeah. The 28 defenders beaten and 12 offloads. So... Um, there's positives there, 12 offloads in the game. Yeah. Okay, um, lots of positives. A um, couple of negatives, which you'll always have in a performance, no matter what kind of result. But the biggest positive of all is going to Belfast and getting a the result there, I think. Um, really, really important. They never gave up. They've certainly things to work on. Um, let's move on to the start of the week. Um, plenty of candidates here. I think the first half, um, certainly there was a lot of mistakes and... We all agreed that Munster were 
static a little bit. They kicked the ball away a little bit. Um, lacked a little bit of intensity. That was so much better in the second half. Uh, Jack Crowley got the official player of the match and obviously came up with that that line break, um, which led to the winning try. Uh, ben Healy coming off the bench was good. Uh, really good, obviously, to score that try. Mike Haley, John Klein, Kendellan, Niall Scannell. You could keep going. Roman Salano, I thought, really stepped up. He needs more games, but I thought he was really More physical. games. Our scrum was really good. Um, yeah. Paddy Patterson was good. Fekito, who we mentioned. Right across the board, you can uh, you can talk a lot about a lot of the players. You know, Kieran McDonald you know as thought, well. Yeah, but you know, I this gonna you're gonna be like what? Um, from an ulcer point of view, I thought Ian Henderson was exceptional. His, his work rate and his physicality, and Munster found it really difficult to deal with him for a huge portion of that game. Now I know he's Jack Crowley stepped him, handed him off. But other, I felt like he had he was dragging Ulster through that game, and I think when he ran out of steam, Monster got on top. And um, so, from an Irish perspective, I thought it was it was great to see him up there. Yeah, you know? John John Cooney, um, I thought he was really good for him as yeah. well. But um, you know, it's good news for 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 Ulster, for Irish fans as well that Ian Henderson is back playing. So, who would you pick as star of the week? It's a truck a tricky one. Yeah, it was. I know Jack Crowley got man the match and we spoke well about that already, but in relation for me it was Mike Haley. I think he's just we've spoken so much about him this season in relation to how much he's excelled under Mike Prendergast's attack. I think his ability to beat defenders. Um And he know, beat before, six six times he did that. He six, seven well, yeah. okay. so I think um, it, it shows that for me under the Van Granny area teams were happy enough to kick the ball to us because literally all we were doing was kick, kicking or catching and kicking back. We never posed any threats. Whereas now we see that. We see how exceptional and firm. And the standout moment for me was the that tackle on Balakoon. You know, McCluskey makes the skip pass um, and he's coming across. And it's a very difficult tackle to make, but he literally just chops him at the ankle. But it's work rate as well for Ulster's try. I thought it was... I know he doesn't get there. He gets there as going to try line, but he's coming from the opposite end of the pitch. And if you had, a, if you open up, the, I saw it on Twitter yesterday, a wide angered camera on that. Just a work rate. It was incredible. So, uh, yeah, I thought he was, uh, he's a good nomination for a star of the week. Yeah. Well, he's uh, very well deserving of it anyway. And um, just talk about the other performances from, from players. Um, who, who else stood out for you in the game? Mike Haley's getting star of the week because, um, Jack O'Donoghue is someone who's uh, who's come back into this monster four as well. That's uh, that's you know put in some really good performances. He was captain the other night and deserves a mention. Niall Scannell for me, I think, has played really well in the last number of weeks. So there's positive signs here from individual performances. I think collectively um, they got rewarded the other night. We said it at the start; they could have won and got four points against Leinster. They're they're up to ninth in the league now, which is um, Every game is a must-win game for Munster at this stage to try and get into the obvious playoff positions, but also to qualify from Europe. From you individually, what other players stood out? Yeah, look, we we spoke about, you know, you've named practically every player that played, but I, we're talking also about um, the bench as well. So I thought Murray and Healy did really, really well when they came on. 
I thought Scott Buckley, um, I like him in the loose. I'd like to see more of him um, from a hooker point of view. I know there was kind of question marks about the consistency of his throw, but I think we've got to put him in there to see how he gets on. Um, And I just feel like that if we can, you know, the more that, I said it last week, I love the fact that at 50, 55 minutes, Graham Rountree and his coaches can start making changes and they start adding up this and, and fresh legs and energy off the bench. And it's not really something we would have associated with Munster before. It's usually like they they, they basically run them to the ground and they set, bring on the bench for the last two or three minutes. Now guys are getting opportunities to add value. And I just thought, you know, there was loads spoken about Ben Healy, that, but I actually thought Murray did really well as well. So, sometimes that can work against you too as well. Um, and I must admit, I genuinely thought Paddy Patterson was, you know, scoring the try. I was there, oh God, I know... Can't, I, I, I just thought that I was nervous about those decisions given that we were going to try, we had to attack now more. And that's Patterson's big strength is that speed. He's so quick to run with the ball. And he obviously showed that for the try, even taking off Fekatoa. But the Munster coaches were proved right with the decisions they made. And Connor Murray did play really well. And Jack Crowley going to the centre did brilliantly as well. So look, overall, Neve, we, um, we could talk and talk and talk about this game. It's been a, a positive, um, I suppose, getting a losing bonus point. As a, you know, you could mention that um, you know the the last number of weeks when you go Edinburgh, Toulouse, Northampton, uh, Leinster, Ulster, really tough run of fixtures. I think this gives a little bit of hope uh, for the new year that they can possibly make the playoffs. So it was a brilliant win in Belfast against a side that possibly are in a bit of disarray and a crisis because um, Dave McFarlane now has had, uh, you know, he's come out and, and spoken about that and been very critical of his players. But I think given what Munster did and the challenge that they faced, I think it was a, a great sign of strength. Are they the finished article? No, I'll be sceptical in what I say here. Are they going to win trophies? It's highly unlikely this season, but I think we're seeing positive steps. And we're seeing him turning a corner that enthuses the Munster fans, which is really good. So we're not going to, I'm certainly not going to get carried away. Um, and I know you're probably not either. You're probably a bit more positive at times than me. It's just part of my nature to be a bit uh, <laughs> nervous and anxious about stuff. They have to step up at the weekends now. And we just talk, quick briefly talk about the run of fixtures. So um, Munster up to ninth and 27 points. Um, the Sharks are in fifth and 29, so there's like two points. So one win or one loss here can push you right up to fourth, fifth or sixth. Um, the top three, I think, are a little bit too far away. Even the top four, Leinster one, Stormers two, Ulster and Bulls, they're probably a little bit far away to be worrying about them. I think it's important that, you know, for obviously Munster to get into the playoffs, but get in Europe next year. So they play the Lions on Friday night in Cork. Um if we were to take out, you know, Northampton at home, Toulouse away, that's Europe. Benetton then on the 28th of January. This is just in the URC I'm talking about, I want to focus on. Benetton away in the 28th of January. And then Munster have Ospreys at home on the 17th of February. They've Scarlets at home on the 3rd of March. And they've Glasgow home on the 25th of March before the last two games when they go to South Africa. So I'm sure I'm speaking pretty quickly here. Um, 
There's a lot of must-win games there, particularly Lions, Benetton, Osprey, Scarlet, Glasgow. So I'm saying five games yeah. here are must-win no, games yeah. for Munster go to South Africa. If they were to win those five games and possibly get a couple of bonus points in there, they have a real shot at making the playoffs. And maybe a free play going to South Africa because, you know, you go to Stormers and Sharks in April uh, when they have all their internationals available, it's going to be very difficult. So for Munster not to get to that point, um, I think the next five games are must win. Talk about the lines just briefly. Um, are we talking they should be going for bonus point wins here in Cork? Um, you think back to early in the season when they played Zebra down in Cork and they didn't get those bonus points. So um, what do you see happening on Friday night? And will Munster be able to deal with, you know, the expectation that they should be winning this game? Yeah, I don't know if you've managed to see any of the Lions games this year. They're actually, um, even though they're bottom of their South African conference, they're actually quite good in terms of their ability to move the ball in broken place. So I think Munster defensively are going to have to be properly sound in relation to that that threat because they're they're quick. That back three are very very quick. So, and um, but yeah, look, I think Munster have to go. They have to go with ambition. They have to go with courage to be able to go and get after that bonus point win and and. You know, I think the mentality has changed hugely. They've been given a great injection of confidence. Even when they didn't win against Leinster, you felt like that they were, you know, it was more a case of, you know, we lost that but could have won it. And um, I just feel like that this group are in a different place in terms of they, they've got that ability now to try out these 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 wins. So, yeah, they've got to go. They've just got to go and, and play. And, and I think um, psychologically it's going to be really important that now they can, the exp- as I said, that expectation that they deliver a performance here and they back it up and that they don't stand off a little bit. This is a real kind of character tester for some of these players now that, you know, they because that Zebra game, I'm reminded of that one, the last, uh, the, that game in Cork where they scored three tries, didn't get a bonus point win, was quite frustrating to watch that whole second half. They've got to try and find a performance here and bring an intensity against a very physical side. Um, the Lions have won five, lost five. We've got to leave it there, Neve. We could keep going. It's been a positive week. Quinny, yeah, can I ahead. just ask you, if anyone's uh, in Cork on Saturday, we're opening up our Interpros in Musgrave Park on Saturday evening at a quarter to five. So if anybody's kind of hanging around and missing a bit of rugby fixed for a Saturday, uh, please come out and uh, qu- Quarter to five uh, on Saturday. Out. You're playing against yeah. two? Oh, Ulster. You're playing Ulster quarter for five yeah. on, in Musgrave Park on Saturday. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. And just finally, uh, Ray O'Brien re- re- responded there to one of the tweets listening to the podcast last night on the way home from Cork when I heard your invite. Ray was the one who mentioned about getting fans on. Oh, yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. I'd love to be on the podcast if it wasn't made in jest. Well, it wasn't made in jest, uh, Ray, going to the Northampton match. Um, next week so happy to give my views in that game if it's something you guys would like to do Brilliant. definitely Ray yeah we yeah. I'd be in touch with you we'd love to do it because even just to get a view on the terrace is what the fans are saying what they believe what the atmosphere is like a bit of the behind the scenes stuff you can even give us a, a bit of a rundown on, on your whole day the travel the excitement all that kind of stuff so it'd be really good to, and we're very keen on that so Ray you can come on the podcast after the Northampton game isn't an open invitation for all my Tipperary mates now to come on and start giving me grief. Um, but look, it's been a positive uh, positive result, a really good start. Um, so that's it for episode 52. 
of uh, of the Red 78. Um, you can get in touch with us either on Twitter if you want to leave a comment or leave a comment on YouTube. Um, enjoy your week, Neve, and good luck on Saturday. Um, Thanks, man. We'll have a bit of an analysis of your game as well. So, fingers crossed, Monster can get a win on Friday night against the Lions. Thanks again. Thanks, man. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows Monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. 